Thank you for checking out our podcast here at Eastern Assembly of God Church in Baltimore, Maryland. If you'd like more information about our church, you can find us at www.easternassembly.org. All right, well, go ahead and pull out your notes if you would. The notes are in your bulletin. You can also take notes on our church app if you didn't know that, right on your phone, or you can just listen. Someone, someone asked me uh, just about a week ago, say, Pastor, do, does Eastern celebrate Lent? And if you don't know what Lent is, Lent is the season leading up to Easter. If any of you come from a denominational church, Lent was a big part of what you did, all right? So, so we don't celebrate Lent in this aspect, all right? For many churches, Lent means that you get holy for a season, and then after the season is over, you go back to being unholy. We certainly don't celebrate Lent in the sense that we all go to Mardi Gras, party up, and then repent the next day. All right, if Lent means a season where we're pressing in to know Jesus, then we celebrate Lent all year long. Come on, somebody. All right, but, but listen, there is something I want to do during this season leading up to Easter over the next couple of weeks. I really want us to dive into the heart of what caused Jesus to leave the glories of heaven and come to this earth. I mean, since we're talking headed to the cross, should we talk about what brought him here in the first place? Would that be all right? All right, now the Bible tells us in Luke 19.10, for the Son of Man came, tells us why he came, to seek and to save the lost. He had had a single mission, why he left heaven and came to this earth. When he walked this earth, he demonstrated that. He had lunch with tax collectors, allowed prostitutes to wash his feet, hung out with a bunch of ragtag disciples. Once when he was asked, why do you do that? Here was his reply. While having dinner at Matthew's house, and Matthew was a tax collector, many tax collectors, all his friends and sinners, came and ate with him. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the... How how many of you are glad Jesus came for six sinners? Yeah, you know why? Because you were once one and so was I. Amen? Now, so he demonstrated his heart for the lost when he walked the earth and then culminated the mission by dying on a cross for, yeah, for people who were far from God who needed Jesus. And then when he rose from the dead, he he hung around his disciples for 40 days. And then prior to him ascending to heaven, reflecting that same heart, he gave this final commission to his disciples. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Otherwise, you know why I came, why I came, now I'm headed up, and now it's your job. You say, well, how, how serious did the disciples take that commission? Well, a few verses later, we find out. It says, then the disciples went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord worked with them and confirmed his word by the signs they accompanied it. You know why the disciples took it serious? Somebody say, why? Because they watched Jesus take it serious. They heard Jesus say, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. You understand? This was modeled by Jesus. So it only makes sense. Hey, we watched the master do it. Now it's our turn. All right? Now let me ask you, do we have any Jesus followers in the room today? Okay. Now, now just stick with my thinking. If you are a Jesus follower and Jesus' heart and mission was to reach the lost, wouldn't it make sense if you're a follower of hers, his 
that you would share that same heart for the lost. All right, I'm gonna, uh, thanks, Gus. I'm going to try this side. All right, you can do better. If Jesus' heart, if what caused him to leave heaven and die on a cross was for lost people, and you follow him, wouldn't it make sense that you'd also have a heart for lost people? Come on, somebody. Yeah, write it down, all right? Don't you care about lost people? Okay, you say, well, Pastor, how can you be a Christian and not care about the lost? Is it possible? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And it kind of works like this, all right? What it is is, you know, you're not really following Jesus. What you're really doing is you're wanting Jesus to follow you. In other words, Lord, I don't want to go there alone. I mean, come on, Jesus, let's, let's head over here. And see, a lot, especially in America, we want the benefits of Christianity. Help me. Bless me. But we don't necessarily want the responsibilities that come with it. Oh, now, see, now it's getting real quiet in here. All right? Am I telling the truth at very least? Yeah. All right? Uh, we don't want the responsibilities. All right? But you say, well, Pastor, I thought Christianity was a, that serving Jesus was a free gift. Like, I accept Jesus the gift, it's free. What do you mean responsibility? Well, look at it this way. Jesus is the greatest gift you'll ever receive. How many believe somebody in the house today could receive the free gift of salvation? Okay, but listen. When you open up your heart and receive the gift, the gift comes in. And with him comes his desires. So what I'm saying today is not chasing after something far away. If you are his, that heart is right in you. It's really a matter of just opening up and saying, Lord, I, that, that heart is there. Help me to grab a hold of it and be willing to accept and feel what you feel when you look at this world. Can you say amen? amen. All right, when you receive the gift of Jesus, you also receive the heart of Jesus. We say, Pastor, shouldn't this kind of message be directed to missionaries? Oh, it is. Everybody in this room is a missionary. Every Christian is a missionary. It's just a question of where you're called to be a missionary. This room happens to be filled mostly with home missionaries. Come on, missionaries called to reach their neighbors, their workmates. Are you with me this morning? Yeah, we're, we're all missionaries. There are no exclusions. What I want to do is take a few moments this morning and just look at somebody in Scripture who was called and just kind of take a look at that, and it'll help us relate to our own calling as missionaries. And here we are in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 4. Let's start there. It says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Who saw the Lord? Isaiah saw the Lord. High and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphim, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces. With two they covered their feet. And with two they were flying. No, there aren't strange looking creatures in heaven. They're beautiful creatures. Isaiah just kind of hard to describe angelic beings. And they were calling to one another. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook. And the temple was filled with smoke. Now, what's significant about it saying in the year that King Uzziah died? Why did Isaiah have this vision? Why does it even say that? Well, Isaiah was one of the longest tenured kings in Judah's history. He was like 50, over 50 years as the king. Towards the end of his kingship, he kind of went bad and forgot, didn't ask God for some things. And then with his death, that meant a transition to a new king. 
And if you're the main prophet in the land, how many of you know you want a godly king? So, so it was a time of transition, a time of, of, of just rolling waves. And Isaiah was spending more time with the Lord. Thus, the door opened for him to have a vision from the Lord. All right, let, let me ask you this morning, okay? Are we living in turbulent times? Yeah. How much more do we need to see before we spend more time crying out to God? God, help us. No, there's a lot I could say about the state of America, but I just, just want to say one thing, as, particularly as it applies to this message. When you talk to people about religious affiliation, there is one group that is faster growing than all others. That group that is faster growing are the nuns. In other words, what is your religious affiliation? The fastest growing group is the group that says, I have none. Fastest growing group, okay? Uh, that's the bad news. The good news is that makes the mission field really ripe. Okay? Now, listen, I realize that religious affiliation does not get you to heaven. Jesus gets you to heaven. But I also recognize when you find Jesus, normally you attach to a local church. And you know why that is? Say why. Why? Because we reach people better together. For those who say, well, I don't really need a local church. I can read my Bible at home. I can pray at home. Well, that's good if it's all about you, friend. But you're part of a mission that together we're reaching people who were lost like we once were. Come on, somebody. So we're better together. All right? Um, you know, again, the good news is, is, is if reaching lost people is our goal, then we have no lack of potential customers. Amen? Plenty of them. All right? Jesus said it this way. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest? In other words, not now, Lord. Maybe, maybe down the road we'll get serious about reaching people. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. Everybody shout out these last words. They are ripe for harvest. Do you believe there's people all around us who need the Lord? Yeah, I hope you see it. Here's was, here was Isaiah's response to this vision of the Lord. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with thongs, tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Let me relate that to you now. You know what often happens in a message like this when you talk to people about sharing God's heart for the lost? A lot of times people, Christians will say, Well, man... I know I should, but who am I to tell someone else about Jesus when I'm still kind of messed up myself? Who am I to point someone else to him when, when you know, there's still a lot of work? And what happens is, is we never quite, quite reach that criteria level where we feel like we're worthy. You know why? Because you're not worthy. Listen, think about this for a minute, okay? Now, I don't ever recommend this, but for the sake of illustration, you are standing on the train track enjoying a beautiful sunrise, and unbeknownst to you, behind you is coming an Amtrak train at 80 mile an hour. They're electric. They don't make much noise. And suddenly somebody shouts out, get off the tracks. Do you really care at that moment? You turn around and say, well, what credentials do you have to tell me that? Are you living a really good life? Come on, somebody. You don't need someone perfect to tell you. You just need someone to tell you. All right, listen. Listen. Listen, come on, listen, listen, do, do, do you believe, do you believe that every person 
will someday stand before the Lord. Do you believe if you stand before the Lord with your sins uncovered, you're in trouble? Yeah. Do you believe Jesus died so that everybody who believes in him could be saved? Yeah. Then you, you know all you need to know to blow the trumpet and say, get off the tracks. You need Jesus. Come on, somebody. Oh, God, help us to see it this morning. God's not looking for perfect people. He is just looking for willing people. I mean, you've heard me say this before, but for somebody new, if a chicken can bring Peter to repentance, there's certainly hope for you. And if you don't know the story, Jesus said to Peter uh, on the night before his death, he said, tomorrow you will deny me three times before the cock crows. So Peter denied the Lord three times, and then the rooster crowed. And when that rooster crowed, Peter got on his face and wept his way back to God. If God can use a rooster, come on, somebody say, cock a doodle doo Come on, somebody. Yeah, God can use you, and he can use me. And I'm trying to help you this morning, because I am telling you, the devil is good at just saying, who are you? You've got problems. You're unworthy. And you know why the devil is telling you that? Because he does not want you announcing the good news to anybody. Come on, somebody. Help us to see it. This morning. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? All right, honey, would you come help me since you're here in this service? Come on. I'm going to pick the best looking person up here in the platform, honey. That's you. Okay, so, so listen. So, all right, so, so look, I'm the Lord. She's Isaiah. How do you turn Isaiah into a feminine? I don't even know. Isaiah. Isaiah. All right, she's Isaiah. All right, all right. Okay, look, look. Who will go for me? All right, so, so when you're the only one, when you're the only one in the Lord, you, you picture this, it's just the Lord and it's just Isaiah. So the Lord's like staring at Isaiah. Who will go? It's like Isaiah's looking around. See, the problem is, thank you, honey. The problem is, when I, when I say it to a congregation, who will go? Kind of like, you look to the person next door, he, hey, he's talking to you. You know, it's like, hey, hey, are you listening but listen, could, could you just make this personal? Could you just right now, what if it's just the Lord and you? Who will go? How, how are you gonna answer that? Because what God said to Isaiah, he's saying to you and me. Are you still with me this morning? This is what Isaiah said. He said, here am I. Send me. Now listen, for the, for the next 15 minutes or so, I wanna, I wanna give you three simple things that if everybody did this as a way, you know, you just said, here am I, send me. What does that mean? If everybody did this, I believe it would greatly increase the amount of people we reach as a church. And they're really simple, all right? Are you ready? Number one, I challenge you, three things that you can do, I can do to show that I care. In other words, I share Jesus' heart for the lost, is I can invite people and share my story. A study done in 2018 said that one in three people who were invited to church would attend if they were invited. Now think about this with me. So I go to the first person. Hey, man, I think you'd love my church. You want to come with me? No. Listen, based on this, well, I'm done. I don't like this. People rejection. Okay, I understand. Number two. Hey, want to go to church? Awesome. No. See, the issue is we often stop but if you really believe that there's someone in that line that's gonna say yes, wouldn't it be worth asking all of them? Yeah, yeah don't, don't let a little rejection get in the way. Come on, somebody. You can invite. Can you say amen? I wonder how many of you 
You know, Grand Central is filled with these little invite cards that say, this is home. They're not there for decorations. They're for you to take along, keep them in your car, keep them in your pocket, hand them out, okay? Uh, I fill those racks up once in a while, but could you imagine if 500 of those invites were going out every week? And one in three people who were invited were likely to come? Come on, somebody, we'd be on a building program. God help us, amen? Okay, going beyond invite... Next step beyond that is to share your story. Hey, I know Maxine's going to share her story. Where are you, Maxine? Come on. Amen. I know Logan's going to share his story. I know Gus is going to share his story. Are you some others out there? What's your story? The story is how you came to Jesus and what Jesus has done in your life since then. God didn't give you that story just, just to write a book and show your family. God gave you a story so you could reach people with your story. Amen. Whatever God delivered you from, whatever God has done, there's people out there that need to hear your story. And listen, if you are here today and your story hasn't started yet, your story begins when you receive Jesus as your Savior, today is a great day. Listen, there are two great moments in my life. Number one, when I was born, because without being born, I have no story. And the second great day of my life is when I was 18 years of age and I was born again and my story began with Jesus as my Lord. Come on, somebody. Amen. So, so I'm not asking you to stand on a desk at work and preach a three-point message. Just look for opportunities. My wife told me her story this week. She went to the uh, pregnancy center uh, to talk to the lady in charge at the Preg- Center for Pregnancy Concerns. And she's there and in walks a young lady who used to come to our youth group here. She may be here this morning. I don't know if you are welcome. We're glad you're here. But she recognized that moment as a divine opportunity. You understand? If we just all wake up in the morning and say, Lord, I'm open to your opportunities, and then just start looking. Don't make this harder than it is. Well, Pastor, I'm, I'm not good at starting a conversation with people. Um, you, you may not have to do that. Just look and just wait, and you'll see it when God opens the door. Everybody with me? Come on, somebody. Yeah, how do we share Jesus' heart? Just everybody. You know, you know, the best way to grow a church is just every missionary that attends that church doing their job. That be you. Come on, somebody. Number two, three things I can do that show I care. How about seek out and bless newcomers you see at Eastern? Do you know every week, particularly in the 11 a.m. service, we have first-time guests? Every week. I mean, they, they are here. And they're wondering how they're going to be received. Does anybody care? Yeah, you, okay. I would like to introduce the official welcome committee of Eastern Assembly of God. Now listen, I know we have greeters and we have people who are assigned that, but I think everybody understands that's kind of their assignment. What about the people who isn't their assignment? How do they respond? Uh, that'd be my seat you're in there, buddy. All of us need to be praying as someone sits in our seat. Somebody, somebody that needs the Lord. Come on, somebody. Just be friendly. Listen. I, I did not have a good junior high. My years in junior high were not good. All right. When people talk about the good old days, the good old days for me were not junior high. I was a little socially awkward, particularly when it came with, with females. And I remember going to a dance in eighth grade and just standing there the whole time watching everybody else dance. I just, I was too timid to invite, I'm just standing there. And uh, it, it was a bad night, except at the very end, this girl came over. Now, she happened to be my next door neighbor. 
And no, she did not like me as a, as a boyfriend, but she felt sorry for me because she was watching me. She was a very attractive. She was a ninth grader. Uh, um, and I, I mean, she was my neighbor. I had no feelings. But nonetheless, she came over. She says, I want to dance with you. Now, listen. You remember when I look back at that night, I don't remember. I mean, I'm telling you the story, but, but it's not painful that I didn't dance with anybody the whole night. I smile because Susie Myers asked me to dance. And you know what the message in that is? It just takes one person. And see, the, the way I'm geared because of how my junior high years went, I hate to see people alone. Like if I walk down the fellowship hall, I'm looking for somebody sitting in a table by themselves. And I'm, I'm attracted to that because it just bothers me that anybody, you know, how many, of you, how many of you sit in basically the same section or same seat every week pretty much? All right, now please don't claim that as yours, all right? Someone might sit in that seat and that's okay. But listen, if everybody who sits in the same area would just take notice of anybody new in their area and just, somebody new's in my area, Come on, baby. Think, think of a family reunion. Right? When you go to a family reunion, there's a new face. I mean, who, who, who's, the, who's part of the family? Or the baby, man, that, that's, that's big news. Come on, God, God sends babes in our midst. And he's looking to see how we'll receive them. Come on, th- this isn't a day and age when you need to know any, you don't need to know anything about nothing. Doesn't matter what their background is, doesn't matter anything about anything. We're just glad you're here. Because there's nothing anybody's carrying that my Jesus can't take care of. But he's not going to take care of it if they don't make it to him. And we have some responsibility. Can I just say, people are more likely in today's world to hang around a church for a little while before they make a decision than just to make a decision their first time. So that means we just need to keep loving on them and pointing them to Jesus. Everybody with me this morning? All right. One last point before we get to our last point. So, So listen. When I think about why I'm in church this morning, there's, there's two main reasons why I'm here. I'm here to glorify Jesus because I believe he's the Lord. And I'm here to be a blessing to somebody else. What if everybody came to church to glorify Jesus and to be a blessing? And that they would believe if they'll get their eyes off themselves and on Jesus and on others, God will take care of their own needs. Because when it's always about you, you're not in a really good position to receive from him. When you're sick, go pray for somebody who's sick and watch what God will do. When you're discouraged, encourage somebody and watch what God will do. Come on, somebody. Number three. So number, talking about today. During this season leading up to Easter, what, what's your heart, Jesus? You came to seek and to save that which was lost. How can I have that heart? I can start inviting people, share my testimony. I can start looking around my own church and looking for some new faces and bless them. And then thirdly and lastly, I can give to missions. Because even though I may not be called to go to another country, when Jesus said, go into all the world, I have some responsibility to fulfill that. So how do I do that if I'm not called to China? Well, then I'm going to make sure I sow into somebody that is called to China so that I can help fulfill the Great Commission. Are you listening this morning? You understand? So, so my wife and I, every week, uh, we, 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 we write out a check. Um, I mean, tithe, we pay our tithe. We pay above our tithe to mission to fulfill that. And uh, would you be so kind as to reach in your bulletin? And there's two things I want you to pull out of your bulletin. I want you to pull out this, this yellow or kind of gold-colored sheet. 
And I also want you to pour out, pull out this faith promise giving card. All right? All right, everybody got it? If you don't have one, maybe you can look at your neighbors. So this Eastern Assembly Mission Support is a very updated list of missionaries and ministries that we support. Notice, uh, we support ministries right here in our own community. How many know we need to reach Baltimore? Desperate, right? Uh, we, we, we support ministries in our region. We support ministries in the United States, and we support ministries all over the world. 82 uh, ministries we support. Every month a check is written for $6,271 to support those. You say, how do you do that, Pastor? Somebody say, how do you do that? All right, there's two ways. Number one, we, yeah, ask Debbie, my secretary. She writes the check. No. Um, so we, we tithe on your tithe. If you give to Eastern, you give to missions. Because a tenth of what you're giving goes to our missions account. If we're going to ask you to tithe, we're going to practice that ourselves. So we tithe on your tithe. Understand that. And then above that, because that alone would not fund what we do for missions, not even close. Then above that, we ask everybody to give to missions. And when you put those two together, last year we gave about $240,000 to missions. About 27% of our budget went outside of ourselves, which is really amazing, okay? So, so listen, you say, Pastor, I don't, I don't know that I can afford to do anything. Think about this. Let's just say every day you go to Wawa. And I picked Wawa because Wawa is funner to say than Royal Farms, all right? Like, Wawa, all right. So every day you go to Wawa, you get a large coffee. It's, we'll just say $1.99 plus, plus tax, all right? Do that five times a week on weekends. You make your own, all right? So that would be five times times two. Tell me, what if you'd make a sacrifice and just brew it home every day and just give that $10 a week? Somewhere, just, just, just a sacrifice. Come on, he died on a cross so that you could live. A sacrifice is worth it. This is, I'm not asking this for me. I'm asking this to reach the world. You understand? Come on, somebody. Somewhere along the way, uh, when I started giving to missions, listen, when I started giving to missions, I was, I was, I was not raised in a missions-giving church. I was raised in a denominational church. And, and uh, when I got saved, went to Bible school, things began to stir in me. And then when I became a youth pastor and was challenged with missions, I was making $100 a week living in the church basement and God tugged in my heart. I said, I can give $5 a week to missions. Okay? I mean, that was, that was 5% of my income. I mean, that was substantial. But, but I started somewhere. And then the next year, and, and it was missions time, and the pastor said, you know, has God blessed you in the last year? Well, now I'm making 150 a week. I'm like, I can, I can increase that a little bit. You understand? Now, now think about that. If you do that year after year after year, and God is giving you to you, what might you be giving to missions in 40 years. See, see, here's how it's supposed to work. Look, the Bible tells us, look. It says, you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. In other words, God doesn't just bless you for you. Hey, it's okay to get a new couch when the old one has holes in it and God has blessed you. Come on, somebody. It's okay to get a car when yours is breaking down all the time. I'm not discouraging you from, you know, some of what God supplies is to take care of your needs. He shall supply all of our needs according to his riches and glory. But understand, not all the blessing is for you. You'll be enriched in every way so that you can be what? Generous on every occasion. And once you open those hands, then God can do some amazing things. Come on, somebody. And one day you'll look back and say, man, we're giving a car payment to Jesus for missions. 
Is that possible? Yeah, so what I want you to do this week, look, I want you to take that faith promise giving card, and I want you to pray over it this week. Next week, bring it back. Come into agreement with you and your wife. Next week, uh, when our missionary friend comes, we'll be collecting these. And uh, look, I just want you to do what Jesus wants you to do. We're not giving you a number. I want this to be pressure. You go talk to the Lord and whatever he tells you to do. You say, well, he told me to do something that I don't know if we can do. That was probably him. Because he may stretch you in that area. Are you listening? Amen. Now listen. Next Saturday is our missions banquet. I would really like you all to be there. Come on. Our our missionary guest who's going to be here, Joseph Gordon, um, it was a little over a year ago, I was talking to my good friend Brad, who pastors in Michigan. Him and I are, went to Bible school together. We worked on staff together. I dearly respect him. We're talking about missions convention. He, sa- he says, have you had missionary Joseph Gordon? I said, no. He says, you've got to have him. I'm like, why? I said, you've got to have missionary Joseph Gordon. All right? I called missionary Joseph Gordon. He is going to be here next weekend. But listen, if you only come on Sunday to hear him, you're going to miss half of it because the other half is on Saturday night at the missions banquet. You understand? Listen, wouldn't it make sense if you want to have Jesus' heart for lost people that you get around some people who already have that heart? Yeah, Joseph Gordon has that heart, all right? So next Saturday night at 5 o'clock, bring, just bring a dish to pass of your ethnicity. If you don't know what your ethnicity is, bring hot dogs. I don't care. Just come, all right? Just come. If you're in an e-group, the reason e-groups are not meeting tonight is that all e-groups will have tables where your e-group can sit together at the missions banquet, but there will be room for all of you. Next Saturday at? You can sign up out there or you can sign up online. The sign up just helps us make sure we have enough table space for everybody who wants to come. We'll eat a meal together, a delicious international meal together, and then we'll come upstairs and let Joseph Gordon pour into us amen let's close jesus is still saying who will go for us what do you say would you bow your head this morning listen looking for somebody here today listen god didn't bring you here today to send you god brought you here today to save you I'm going to say it again. you got to understand that. God didn't bring you here today to send you. That's not where you're at right now. God brought you here to save you. Because before God can send you, he has to give you a story. And that story begins when you open the door of your heart and receive Jesus as your Savior. For my story, I was raised in a denominational church, thought I was a Christian because I went to church every Sunday, couldn't quite figure out what God wanted with me until a Sunday like this when a friend invited me to a church like this and my eyes were open and I finally figured it out. What Jesus wanted from me was just me, all of me. And that evening, I surrendered and I, I bowed my knee and I said, Jesus, Come in and wash me clean. I confess you as my Lord. He did exactly what I asked him to do. Oh, he's so faithful. Looking for someone here today. Say, Pastor, that's me. I know as I sit here in my seat right now, I'm not right with God. I feel the tug in my heart. I know what I need to do. The question is, will you do it? 
And I'm looking for somebody here today that says, Pastor, that's me. Today, this day, I'm going to open the door of my heart and confess Jesus as my Savior. If that's you, would you just raise your hand and make eye contact with me? And I don't ask you to do this to embarrass you. It's just important that you respond right now. Right now, the Bible says today is the day of the salvation. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Others here this morning. Come on. Where are you at right now? Jesus, looking up in the balcony, looking all over. God brought you. You thought you came just to maybe check out a new church. But God brought you here with something much bigger in mind. Come on, let's do this for the sake of those who, who raised their hands today. I'm going to lead in a prayer. And I'm going to ask you all to pray with me. And for those who raised their hand from the bottom of your heart, I want you to pray this right now. I want you to say, dear Jesus. Everybody with me. Come on. Dear Jesus. I know I need a Savior. I know that I've sinned. And right now, I open the door of my heart. Come in, Jesus. Wash me clean. I confess you as my Lord. And with your help, I'll follow you. In Jesus' name. For those who raised their hands and prayed that prayer, please, please make sure you catch me or a leader after church. We have a, a little folder we want to give you, a little bag that has some information of what to do next. Amen. Everybody in the house, would you stand with me, please? Here's how I want to close service today. If you're open to having Jesus' heart for the lost people, or God increasing your heart for lost people. I want you to get out of your seat and come to this altar. And I'm just telling you, there's something about just moving at a moment like this. Come on, if God's stirring your heart, you say, Pastor, I haven't done much, but I want to do more. Come on, that's all you need. That's all you need. Just God of willingness. It was at an altar like this some 40 years ago when I said, Jesus, I just want your heart, that God said to me, you thought you were going to be a mechanical engineer, but I've got other plans for you, my son. Who knows what God could do? He just needs your surrender. He just needs access to your heart this morning. Come on. Come on. Would you come? Everybody in this place. Come on. Come on. Come on. Jesus, don't hear a message like this and not move, please. God, we need your heart. We want your heart, God. Oh, now would you lift up your voice as you come? Come on, Jesus, give me your heart. I'm willing, God. I'll say like Isaiah, God, here I am. Send me. Send me. And it all starts right where you are. Right where you are. Send me to my neighbors. Send me to my workmates, God. Give me eyes to see opportunity. Use me, God. Use me, God, for your glory, Lord. Use me, God, for your glory. Oh, Jesus. Listen, those of you at this altar, please don't be in a hurry. Just give God some time this morning just to soften your heart, just to speak to you this morning. Please.